Uh, this morning, we're going to take another break from our regularly scheduled programming, and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, the importance of fasting. Last year, or I guess earlier this year, I gave you about 12 hours to prepare. Uh, this year, I'm giving you two weeks, and so I... I uh, we need to be reminded of things. We need to be reminded of the goodness of God. We need to be reminded of, of his faithfulness. We need to be reminded uh, of the why behind the what. And uh, they say that it takes seven times to hear something before it finally breaks through. And so uh, I'm going to continue to uh, chip away at this. And I've been so encouraged this year uh, when... So many people last year who have never fasted before joined with us uh, as we take the first week of January to fast and pray. And just not only um, did we have uh, really wonderful testimonies that week, it just continued through the year uh, because, because God answers prayer and he honors when we set aside time to fast and pray. We saw this just a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, John's disciples came and asked him, that's Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. In his final letter, wrapping up his closing instructions to Timothy, Paul writes this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside Two myths. I believe that more than any other time in history, we are living in these days where people are choosing to turn away from truth and turn aside to myths. Now, I think if you're anything like me, you hear the word myth and you immediately think of Greek mythology, right? Well, let me give you one. A myth is just a mistruth. You know, all roads lead to God. That's a myth. You can be whatever you feel like you are today. That's a myth. You know, but what about the, the people in deepest, darkest Africa? How could God love them? If, if, what about them? You know, that, that's that's. That's turning aside from the truth for you today. You, verse 5, keep your head in all situations. 
endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel. Share the truth and discharge all the duties of your ministry. That's a charge for you and I today. It's as if Paul, in his final words, this is the last chapter of the last letter in his life that he wrote. He's instructing Timothy. He's instructing to us, the church, to fulfill our calling, to carry it out. Not just part of it, not just halfway, not half-heartedly, but to fully carry out the calling that God has for each and every one of us. And I think about what God has done in and through Mill City Church over the past eight years. It's really amazing. Next Sunday, eight years ago, was the last service of Victory Bible Assembly of God. And then for nine months, the church was closed as the Lord tilled more ground and prepared Mill City Church to launch in September of 2015. When you think about what we've seen, if you've been here for a, a, a if you've been here since the beginning of that time or early in 2015 or 16, I mean, I mean we've seen amazing things. We were driving by the old church yesterday and I just look at that and I'm like, that's amazing. Great things come from small things. Um, we can't take that for granted, though. The last thing we can afford to do is sit on what God has done. We have to continue to pursue God and what he wants. And one of the most important things that we do as a body here is fast and pray. Because there are some things Jesus said that only will happen through prayer and fasting. There are some things that God wants to do in your life. There are some things that God wants to do in this church. There are some things that God wants to do in my life that will not happen unless we are willing to say, God, I'm willing to go through the discomfort. I'm willing to go through the inconvenience, the struggle, the aches and pains of fasting. God, I'd rather go through all of that and see you work, in other words. And we get to that place in our life, God honors that. And I'm talking about fasting with prayer, okay? So let's make sure that those two are going together. Fasting without prayer is dieting. There are three types of fast, okay? There's the absolute fast. That would be no food or water. The average person could go three days without, um, with also no activity, just, you know, laying there, um, praying. Then there's the normal fast. Normal fast would be just liquids, for example. And then you use the time that you would be eating to call on God. And then there's the partial fast that would be giving up certain things. Uh, the Daniel fast, for example, uh, is, is uh, what's typically used as, a, as, a, um, as an example of that. You find that in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 10. John Wesley would do this. He would eat only bread and drink water during the time that he would fast. Jesus assumes that we would fast. 
We just saw that in Matthew chapter 9. You see a parallel passage in Mark chapter 2. On that day, they will fast. So it's not if, but when. And we need to fast because, listen to this, you can literally eat yourself out of God's will. You ever think about that? You can eat yourselves out of God's will. And you might say, well, I have medical issues. And, and I'm not here, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. But most people can do a normal fast. I mean, that's just logic would say. And if you have a medical condition, I understand that. I'm not asking you to kill yourself. What happens, though, is we have a tendency to fall into what Matthew Henry calls king's stomach. It's when your stomach is the king. Your stomach determines, in other words, what you're going to do. And, and if you fall into that, then you can eat yourself out of God's will. Because there are some things that only happen with prayer and fasting. And so we need to decide, as Leviticus chapter 23 says, to afflict ourselves... You afflict yourself. You, you, when you fast, you'll have a headache. You'll have a stomachache. Inevitably, you will drive on the highway next to, and you'll be boxed in. People like to pay, play box in on the highway, you know? Next to the Big Mac 18-wheeler. And you'll be driving like this. And you won't mind being boxed in. But you also don't want to eat yourself out of God's blessing either. Now you might say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband and he ate it too. They ate themselves out of the Garden of Eden. They ate themselves out of God's perfect will. They ate themselves out of God's blessing. You see it again in Genesis chapter 25. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said, Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob says, well, sell me your birthright. I love this line. It's the most... Silly passage in the Bible, I'm sure. Look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me if I don't have one meal? I'm going to die. That's King's stomach. Talk about narrow-minded and short-sighted. Here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says about Esau. Godless. He sold his inheritance rights for a single meal. He ate himself right out of the blessing and the will of God. Can you imagine getting to heaven? And God, and I, I don't know that God would do this, but I would probably do it, uh, showing you, hey, Don, look at all the things I could have done through you, but you were just too hungry. How heartbreaking would that be? So, you know, 
For most of us, we live in a place where everything and anything is available to us all the time. And we have to understand that while that is nice and convenient, it is not all good, not all the time. And so there are going to be important seasons for us as a church. There'll be important seasons for us in our personal lives and the life of the church um, when we need to take time as a body, you need to take time as an individual to call on God and fast and pray. And when we do that, there are certain things that we can expect. And so I want to go through those with you today just as a, a preparation and hopefully that you would grab hold of these would be applicable in, in some, if, some of them should be applicable to every single one of us here. The first is this, to understand the will of God. When you fast and pray, you can expect a greater understanding of God's will for your life. You can see this in Acts chapter 13. You want to know how dynamic the church in Antioch was? The, the church was so dynamic that the leaders of the church did not know that Paul and Barnabas were the perfect options for missionaries. And so they called on God. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. In Daniel chapter 10, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. So here's a model for the Daniel fast. Now, we do believe in deodorant here. That's super important. Breath mints are also very important during times of fasting because you'll have broth and you need to protect your people. <laughs> but look what happens in verse 12. The angel of the Lord says to him, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. In the moment you begin, and so you see an, another couple of phrases to describe prayer and fasting, it's humbling yourself. We'll see that in a few minutes. You set your mind to, he mourned, that's another word that's used during times of fasting. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and as a, as a, um, an ambassador for him where in your world, you set yourself up for attack. And if you're part of this church and, and we're constantly pushing against the culture and we're constantly pushing uh, forth with God's call in our life, there's like this extra attack that comes at us from time. Because as Ephesians uh, chapter 6 talks about, there's, a, there's dark spiritual forces out there. They're every bit as real as the physical world. And we need God's understanding on, uh, as we walk this out. It's fasting 
then is like an, an additional push that you're, that you're taking. It's steps you're personally taking, setting your mind to know the understanding of God so that you're more effective in, in what you do, what, you're, what God's calling you to do, and what it's going to result in is more spiritual warfare. Who benefits from fasting? Well, the church does. As we, as a body, choose to set our mind and choose to set ourselves apart to know the will of God, the entire church will benefit. When husbands and wives choose to fast and pray, the whole family benefits from that. As a business leader, as a manager, as an employee, when you choose to fast and pray, your business, your employer will benefit from that. Why? Because you better know the will of God. What's the alternative? Well, we're just operating in the flesh. Or at best, we operate on our own without the power and insight of God. There's another benefit. It's the favor of God. Proverbs chapter 21, the king's heart is like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he can turn it whichever way he wants. Most of us work, if you're still employed, you're not retired, most of us work in a secular vocation, myself included. That means I, I don't work at, I work at the church, but I have a real job in the real world just like you do. And 40 hours a week, I'm at the bank. I have a manager. I have... There's a, high, a corporate structure just like you have. And I need the favor of the Lord. I went through a great trial that lasted about five months last year, this year. And I was dependent upon my direct manager for favor. And I look at this verse right here and I say, you know what? The hand of, of my managers, the heart of my managers, and the hand of the Lord, and he can turn it whichever way he wants. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 2, Nehemiah hears about, he's, he is a cupbearer for the king, and he hears about the ruins of Jerusalem. It looks, look at it, he says, when I heard about these things, I sat down and wept for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. In chapter 2, the Lord has given him a plan and has directed him to go to the king. In this day, this king had a way of dealing with people who were sad in his presence. He chopped their head off. So there was some risk involved here as uh, he approaches the king and the king says, why is your face look so sad? You're not sick. This can be nothing more than sadness of heart. And so Nehemiah shares with him what's going on and here's the plan. As the king says, what do you want me to do? This is a specific scripture of, it's one of the few, if not the only, of somebody praying in their head. Most, most of the time, they're crying out to God. And so here he is, he's, he's sucking it up and he's saying, oh Lord, please help me. And then he says, I want you to send me back to Jerusalem and I want you to send people with me. Oh, and I want you to pay for it all. 
And the king says, let's do it. Because this favor on his life. He took the time to pray and fast and seek the Lord. Now think about that trial in my life. And when we took the, the week of January, that first week of January, and we fasted and prayed, I had n- no clue that in late March, I would be walking into a storm that would last for five months. But I believe that by setting that time apart, it began to set some things spiritually in motion, and so God's favor was right there going before me. It's really amazing. Fasting prepares us for new ministry. Moses, before he received the law, he fasted 40 days. Jesus, before he began his ministry, he fasted 40 days. We just saw in Acts, Paul beginning his ministry by fasting. Various other times, he did the same thing. When we walk into every year, then we need to set aside time for prayer and fasting. It prepares us for ministry. We do it before we launch a new ministry. We do it before Easter. We do it before Christmas. We do it before 1031 party. We do it before conference. There's, there's a, um, a power that comes, but it also prepares our heart for ministry. Fourth, it humbles our soul. Humbled myself is, is, is often um, in, um, in the phrase before fasting. Sometimes it implies fasting. I humbled myself. Humility says, God, there are some things in my life that I can't control. The truth is, there's nothing in our lives that we control. Everything that we have, everything that happens to us is out of our ultimate control. As a control freak, that's a very difficult thing for me to deal with. Um, but it's true. There are, some, there are things in my life also that aren't what they ought to be. And not what you want them to be, Lord. Humility says, hey, I, I don't have it all figured out. Lord, there's just areas in my life that are not submitted to you. There are areas of my life that I need your help with. They're not what you want them to be, and I need you to help me. That's, that's humility. If there are things in your life that are not right or where they ought to be, then you start your fast with repentance. God, I repent of this. You know what it is. I know what it is. I've tried my best. I'm doing my best. And Lord, I just need you to help me. Psalm chapter 35, verse 13. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. Look what James says about humility. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Fifth, fasting gives us greater awareness of God's presence. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me. And you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. Look at it. When you seek me with all your heart. Listen, when you are are setting your mind to seek the Lord with all your heart, when you're setting things apart, when you're afflicting yourself, when you're saying, Lord, I'm going to cut these things away so that I can have more of you, that's a physical example of you seeking the Lord with all your heart. And the Lord says, I'll find you in that moment. Now, let me put it to you this way. When you cut away, when we cut away some of the junk in our lives, we, we put our flesh, in a sense, to death. And at the same time that we're putting our flesh to death, we're, we're taking things out. At the same time, we're feeding our spirit. So we're making room by cutting away things that are, that are either they're just junk or they're, or they're just flat out worldly. You don't, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time going through your calendar or your checkbook, probably, to find a few things. And if you ask the Lord, he'll put his finger on some if you're, if you're wondering what they may be. But you consciously take, take time to set those things aside. And at the same time, you invest that same time building your spirit up. Man, God... God God's presence is in your life in a totally different way. And you can walk into places and you'll have a totally different sense of what's really going on in the heavenlies. There will be places you'll walk into, there'll be homes, there'll be stores that you'll walk into and you'll be like, oh my goodness, There's something really wrong in here. You don't have to be afraid of it because what's happened is the Holy Spirit is is thriving inside you and he's giving you a sense of what's actually going on there. You'll walk into other places where the Spirit is alive and you'll just be, it'll be an uplifting thing. I I love ending a three-day fast here on a Wednesday night. Because Mondays, the first day is always the hardest. I'm, uh, fasting has been part of our walk with the Lord since spring of 2005. And um, last year, earlier this year, I keep saying last year, in January of this year, Monday, the first day of our fast, I had the worst headache of my life. I'm laying upstairs and trying to just get a grip and I finally end up having just a bowl of broth just to try to get something in me. But, you know, what happens is the toxins start coming out of your body. And they're, 
it's, it's painful. Um, but then by Tuesday, you, you kind of have a little settle in there. And, and there's, a, there's a sense of, of God's presence in a, in a little unique way, something different. Then by Wednesday, you're really in a groove. You're talking to the Lord. You're hearing from him. And then you end up here on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Let me just tell you, if you don't come on Wednesday nights, I am so sorry. You are totally missing it. And God's been pouring out his spirit here on Wednesday nights. Um, in a very unique way for the last three months. And I'm just telling you, you are totally missing it. And that's on you. And I can't think of a better way to spend. You know what we used to do when we would drop, because sometimes, well, my kids, <clears throat> we've raised three children, okay? We're still working on the third and we've public schooled, and we've Christian schooled, and we've homeschooled, and, and um, we've never governed bedtime. And I've just now started getting gray hair. I do not let my kids run my life. And some of you parents in here, I'm just telling you, I love you. I say this in love, but I'm saying it in truth. Your children are running your life. And you will pay for that. If it's not, husbands and wives, if you're not number two under God, and, and for some reason, and our culture really pushes this, okay? But if your children are between God and you and your spouse, you are making a terrible mistake. Thursdays are harder. Welcome to life. If they're in school, it's not your problem. God can do more in your life in an hour, an hour and a half, in his presence than hours and hours of family counseling can ever do. That is the truth. The family counseling is a myth, and if you're falling for it, you'll pay for it. I'm telling you right now. And your youth, can, God can do more in their life in Mill City Kids and Mill City Youth in an hour and a half than any counselor at school or any book that they can read could ever do. And the reason, we say, the reason we say this is because it's true. And we want the very best for you and your family. And when your kids know that they're not number one, but mom and dad are, then there is safety. There's like security there. Why do kids struggle so much in divorce? And it's, you know, this is so stupid. Forgive me, this is not my notes. You don't have a slide for this. I was having a, a, a conversation with a client this week that's just gone through a divorce. And here's his words. It's all about the kids. And I'm like, that is bull. 
At the bank, I can say it, and then up here, I can't. <laughs> I use my inside voice, though, because he wasn't ready to receive it. But you can. And, and I know there's lots of people that are in a second marriage, and, and I, I get that. But you, you know it better than anybody. Because your kids don't have stability. They don't know who to believe. They don't know who to go to. They don't know. They're, they're lost. And so this is a word for you parents that are trying to figure it out. Hey, we're all figuring it out. But you can't do it on your own either. But the, the, the number one problem that I see is, you know, we're going to soccer and then we're going to basketball and then we go, why? Because, well, the kids, li listen, they ain't going to the NFL. They're not going to the NFL. <laughs> and and let me think about that. I know that's amazing. That'd be awesome. Would it? Would it? Look at their lives. It's destruction everywhere. Look at the lifestyle this afternoon when you cut the games on. Look at the fans. Is that what you want for your children? That's a myth. And there's teachers and preachers and book writers and, and, and YouTubers all day long that will tell you what your tickling ears want to hear, but it's not the truth, and there will be destruction, and you'll pay for it. Fasting and prayer will bring the protection of the Lord that we all need. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the king, alarmed at the armies all around them, resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. This is a scriptural reference for me proclaiming a fast for this church. If you can't tell, what I just shared with you, that, that's alarming to me. It's alarming to me to see families destroyed. It's alarming to me to see children blow through adolescence and live their 20s and 30s like many of you, many of us did, completely outside of God's will, walking away from the church only to get a hold of themselves, coming to themselves and realizing, man, I had it better in my father's house. You don't want that for your children. I certainly don't want that for my children. It's alarming to me. And so, man, I can't think of a better thing for us to do as a body than set aside time and call on God fast and pray. And the Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of everything you see that's temporal. The battle's not yours. It's mine. You go out and face them. You're going to have to go. It's part of big boy pants. It's part of adulthood. You have to go out there. But let me tell you that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to fight this battle for you, and you're not going to have to touch it. And I've seen that time, and time. I saw it this year in, in a dramatic way. Praise God. When you fast, 
God's going before you. And I believe that there are, you know, there are things you're going to see, you see this list again, you'll be like, oh my goodness, that's for me. I need to do that for me. Not even realizing that there are going to be some things later this year that are, that are on this list. You're, you're not dealing with them yet. On your own, you can do nothing. Pastor John, my pastor in Springfield used to say, probably still does, if we pray anything, if we don't pray We're pretty much on our own. I don't want to be on my own. Seventh, healing. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. There's something to be said for cleansing. I mean, truth, right? The Big Mac may look good, but it ain't good. Going without food is not going to kill you. Unless you have some medical thing, and there's my disclaimer. Um, It can actually be good for you. The average American consumes four pounds of chemical preservatives and additives every year. Four pounds! That's the new size of a bag of sugar. It may cost the same, but it's not five pounds anymore. It's four. (laughs) University of Indiana uh, found that participants who participated in a three-week fast experienced the following effects. Significant lowering of cholesterol, lowering of blood pressure, and relief from arthritis. Isn't that interesting? So there are health benefits for just getting, why does your head hurt? Because you got stuff that shouldn't be in your body that's trying to come out, and it is painful. Eighth, power in the spiritual realm. This kind does not go out except prayer and fasting. What is, what's the context there? It's a demoniac, and, and the disciples couldn't, deliver this individual from demon possession, Jesus says, bring him to me, and he casts him out, and the disciples are like, well, how come we couldn't do it? He says, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. I'm going to call them strongholds, and we can open the door personally, sometimes innocently, Uh, We open the door for things in our life that they get a foothold. And you need a spiritual power to overcome them and get victory. It's a spiritual thing. And that's why it's just so difficult. And, you know, things like pornography or things like alcoholism, drug abuse, they're things. Tobacco is a very, very difficult thing stronghold. I realize there's a chemical addiction there, but listen, if it's that strong, man, you need something stronger than your flesh. And there's a spiritual power that comes. Well, let me give you another one. Anger. Bitterness. The whole concept of stronghold in in Ephesians, Paul says this, don't let the sun go down on your anger lest the devil get a foothold. 
If you don't deal with your anger, it will become a root of bitterness, and bitterness will kill you. And there's a spiritual power that you can tap into through prayer and fasting. Isaiah chapter 58 again, it's, is this not the fast I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Fasting gives you additional power in the spiritual realm to overcome some of those things that are spiritual. This kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Beyond that, if you want to live in and walk in spiritual victory, I mean, just like ongoing, then you need to be willing to fast and pray. And, and there will be times, I believe, I, I just mentioned, we've, fasting has been part of our walk with the Lord since 2005. And it just came from uh, a, a close couple friend of ours. Uh, he was the associate pastor of the church we attended. And he said, well, we're going to be fasting for the two weeks leading up to Easter. And that was the first time I'd ever really heard about fasting. I mean, you read about it in the Bible, but that was the first like practical for, you know, pert friend that said, hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, I, I would like to do it. Sandy and I'm like, yeah, we'd like to do that. And so we just did it. And, and it was just a normal fast. It was just, it was just uh, uh, liquids. And then in week two, we started adding in like salads or soups and just, you know, you kind of, you can go cold turkey, but coming back on is a, takes a little bit more strategy. Uh, I, I am terrible. I usually end my three-day fasts at Buffalo Wild Wings. And <laughs> it never goes well. But boy, they're good on the way down. It's on the way out. <laughs> but throughout the years... I mean, God wants to take, I, I believe, God wants to take you to places that are new. God wants to take you deeper in your relationship with him. And, and, and when you fast and pray, it, it's like you're saying, Lord, I, I want more of you. I, I want a deeper I want a closer walk with you, and I'm willing to go through these things. I'm willing to, to physically afflict myself. I'm willing to, to, to humble myself so that I can have more of you, so I can have that closer walk with you. And when God speaks to your heart, that's when you need to do it. And if you just sit and wait for me to call a fast, for the, then you'll miss out on opportunities. Because you live on God's timetable, not on mine. We do it together every year, first week of the year. Um, you should do that. And God will bless you for that. But I, I have really enjoyed, the worship team can come, I have really enjoyed testimonies through the year of people coming to me and saying, you know, the Lord, I, I was going through this and, and, and the Lord just kind of impressed on my heart that I should fast and pray over that. And that just blesses my heart. 
one of our deacons had, had gotten to a place in his life, in his work, where he was unfulfilled. And there was an email, there was an opportunity, and, and it led to three legitimate new job offers. And by the time he told me about it, he had already fasted and prayed leading up to the week where he was going to be making that decision. And I'm like, man, praise God for that. I mean, I, I, I join with you and pray that God gives you clarity, that he gives you confirmation, and he gives you peace. And he did. And boom, he just, uh, it, th- there's just something cool about that. And you can't wait for me to do it. I think that's just got to be part of your walk with the Lord and your relationship with him. Look again at 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be men and women of the word. Live your life as ambassadors for him. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We are living in a time where people do not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they gather around them people who will say whatever they want to hear. And they've turned away from truth. And they're listening to lies. But you, you keep your head in all situations. Endure the hardship that's coming. It's coming. You have to be able to endure that. And still do what you're called to do. He goes on to say this in verse 6. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. There is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but to all of us. Because we have a race to run too. And we need God's help. We have got to have his help to accomplish what he's called us to do. And we need him to go before us. We need to be, have him beside us and we need to have him behind us. We need his guidance, we need his direction, we need his wisdom, we need his understanding every single day, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Can you imagine if 
And looking back on the last eight years, Sand, can you imagine if that was the best? We could just look back and say, whoa, man, those were the best days of the church. How sad would that be? Awesome days. Oh, but the best is yet to come. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in 2024. I have no idea. I had no idea that after three and a half years of my mother basically living on a plateau, that in five days she would be dead in March. I had no idea. Walking One year ago today, I had no idea that in the, at the end of March that I would be walking into a storm that would last for five months and truth is still lingering at work. I had no idea that my daughter would get engaged and then get married and then get pregnant. I had no idea. And I just give you those examples. That was what happened to me. Now you just take a quick minute over the last 12 months and I guarantee you in a room this big, with a crowd this big, Every single one of you had at least one, but probably multiple episodes that one year ago today, you could never have said it. You had no idea what you were walking into. Work, relationships, church, family, financial, God knows exactly where we are today and he knows what we will face tomorrow and when we fast and pray it's as if we say God my future is in your hands I don't know what tomorrow brings but you do and I'm going to set aside this time To prepare, I humble myself. I need a greater sense of, of what you're calling me to do. I need a greater sense of your presence in my life. I'm going to need your protection in some way, shape, or form. I know it. You may not be going through a storm right now, but just set your clock. God, I've got this thing that just, just stuck to me, and I need your help. I cannot forgive this person. I need you to help me with this relation. God, I need you to work in my... Listen, when you fast and pray, boy, you could spend a lot of time just in the five days we're going to do this. Just go through these eight things. And if you're not in the midst of them right now, you know that you will be at some point. You can go ahead and, and ask the Lord for his help. And so here's what I'm asking. Monday, January 1st to Friday, January 5th. This is our week of fasting at Mill City Church. This is our corporate week of fasting. And I realize it's January 1st. I make beef jerky every New Year's Eve. Or I used to. Now I wait because I don't want to smell it all week. 
It's a strategy. You know, I did that for years. And I'm like, who cares? So I'll do it on the 6th. So from January 1 to January 5th, Monday through Friday, two weeks from now, we're going to corporately fast and pray. There are three types of fasting here. I've gone through them. I'm not asking that you put yourself in danger. I understand there are health issues out there. Use good judgment. You know you, I don't. Use good judgment. God honors your heart. But the reality is we can all make a sacrifice. And for most of us, we can do a normal fast for five days. Expect a headache. Tylenol will work just fine in most cases. Or you'll be better in the morning. Um, For some of you, it's a partial fast, like a Daniel fast. Um, I'm not a big fan of cutting out TV or Facebook. As super valuable as that is, you should be willing to do that anyway. Um, I don't consider that a huge, a huge deal. You should still be willing to do something physical um, for the Lord. Dedicate that time that you would normally spend doing that prayer, reading God's word. Be here Wednesday night. You should be here Wednesday night anyway, but certainly make that Wednesday night a priority and, and test the Lord. And take a look at this list. Do you have the aid up there? Take a picture of it. And just pray through this list. We'll have an email that'll go out every day for some specific things as a church body that we will be praying for. Um, But this is for you. So encouraged last year. So many people that, I mean, it was probably double the amount of people that had fasted and prayed with us in, in years before and, and so many people that never done it before and, and amazing testimonies that happened that week, breakthroughs, but then so many more that came after later in the year where it was like, you know, God had, God had ever, knew exactly what you'd be going through. You did not. And look, there's a, his provision is really amazing. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm, I'm uh, so thankful for you, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. And there are some things that uh, you want to do in this church that you'll only be able to do if we're willing to seek you with all of our heart, to fast and pray as a body, And so, God, I know of the relational problems in some homes. I know of some family issues that are alive and well and heartbreaking. God, I know about some financial issues in this body. God, I know of some strongholds. And Lord, may this be a day, a a spiritual marker moment where 
where your people have been are willing to say, God, I'm I'm going to trust you on this. I receive this as a as a word of truth, and and I'm going to test you on this. I'm going to take this step of faith and obedience. And so, God, I pray that you honor that, that you move in our midst. I pray for 2024 that this would be a year where we would see a harvest like we've never seen before. That your spirit would pour out in a a dynamic way this year where we would see miraculous things. That we would continue to see life change. That we would continue to see people growing in their walk with you. The, The depths of our relationship with you, God, may it grow deeper and deeper. We love you so much and thank you in Jesus' name.